This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Pastor Fred and Valerie are here. I told him that um, I, I guess I will always call him Pastor. And uh, he said, you can call me anything you want. <laughs> uh, but they're traveling and, and ministering uh, all over uh, wherever they went to Thailand not too long ago. I guess uh, uh, anywhere in the world you can find them and uh, ministering the gospel. And uh, actually, they ministered to me this morning in the office. And it just really uh, impacted me. We're talking about legacy and stuff. Uh, exactly what the Lord's been ministering uh, to me, and actually Ellen and I are part of their legacy, um, and uh, I'm always thankful uh, to what they poured into me. In fact, I can remember, uh, I can remember praying, I said, Lord, I'd like to have a mentor, and, and Bray, I don't know if you remember this, but I said, uh, Lord, I'd really like to have a mentor. And uh, anyway, that was uh, that the same week uh, I got to church that Sunday. And afterwards, uh, Pastor Fred had motioned for me to come to him. And I came over to him and he said, uh, Lord's speaking to me about mentoring you. He said, would you pray about that? And this was my response. Don't need to pray. I, I knew. I knew. And... Um, for uh, a year and a half, uh, there was a group of like seven or eight of us, and uh, we had a lot of work, books to read. He had us do a journal. I ran into this journal the other day when Ellen was having this clean out things, and this journal of every day what the Lord was speaking to me. It was interesting to go back and look at that and read it. Ellen saying, can we throw this away? I said, no, I need to go back and see what the Lord was saying. But, uh, uh, and then, you know, he'd meet with the group and then individually uh, meet with him. And I used that same principle to mentor many people. I used the exact same thing that I had been taught. And uh, it works. Amen? So, um, and, and so many things, him praying and, and blessing when, uh, starting to, uh, the pastor, I actually thought the church was a little too close to, to Christ the Rock. And I, I told Pastor Fred, I said, I, I have a little trouble with this. I think it's too close to the church. And these are his exact words. It's not too close to the church. We're after the kingdom. Then let me tell you how rare that is. That's one of the most rare comments you'll hear from a pastor anywhere and it, it blessed my heart so much and during that first year there were several calls I remember the first threat on my life um, we'd gotten a, a person in the witchcraft and so she got delivered and the guys who were over her called and there was threats and stuff and I called Pastor Fred he said we'll have the church and the elders praying and he started laughing he said, it comes with the territory and everyone wants our job. <laughs> and when he said that, I just, joy came on me. I just started laughing. I, I got peace. I was not used to that part. I just loved everyone. I didn't know that uh, that came with the territory. <laughs> but uh, he did. And I want you to get these books. He's got two books here. Uh, One for Life, Friends with Benefits. One that. Pastor Fred, we got to talk now. <laughs> you talking about a message to reach this generation. <laughs> There's a third book that Valerie um, wrote that she had given me and uh, their story. And uh, it's a fabulous uh, read coming out of the Methodist Church and just their journey. Um, if you never they don't have that with them. You got to get that back out. But they're all gone. <laughs> but anyway, um, we've had uh, Denise here to, to minister to the youth, a fabulous job. And their son, Chris, 
uh, is ministering at Renewal Church. So just grateful and blessed and honored to have them here. So I'm going to stop because there was, uh, I guess, about seven or eight years I was an elder and got to work just side by side with them. Got to travel some with them and just uh, just love them very much. So, you know, the Bible says to give honor where honors due. And there's some honor due here. So I want you to stand up and, and honor them as they come and they minister to us. Amen. Good morning. We really do feel honored to be here this morning. And uh, it's really a blessing to be here and to reconnect with you guys. And God's doing a great thing. You've got a beautiful building. I've never been in here. I've driven past it. And so it's beautiful. And you're a beautiful people because you're the body of Christ. And uh, we've been traveling for the last 10 years after we passed the church to our son who moved it into town. So we sold our home on Winchester and moved into town too. And uh, we're very connected in the city of Memphis. But, you know, God's word God's anointing is still going on and we've been doing a lot of marriage conferences and leadership conferences and ladies things and church things and but wherever God has a door that opens for us we retired from pastoring but we're refired for the ministry so we've been doing a lot of uh, like I said marriage seminars we don't have a PhD in marriage counseling but we celebrated our 50th anniversary two weeks ago we call this our hashtag go for gold. So we've learned the good, we've lived the bad, we've lived the ugly, and now we're living the best. And uh, we do have books, because when we, when we let, sat down from pastoring, the Lord told us to, wherever we would go, to leave the word of God in the churches. And I remember when Mark Sharona came at our last big grand opening, he said, you've got books in your belly. And I laughed at him. And, and it's true, we've got 12 books. Praise the Lord. We're not bragging on us, we're bragging on God. And anyway, at the end of the service, I'll be at the book table. All our books are just 10 bucks. We're not here to make money. I even have my gizmo on the phone for debit cards and credit cards. So that's cool, you know. But anyway, so we're going to talk about marriage this morning, okay? Now, we usually do several seminars. We won't get into finances. We won't get into intimacy. And we won't get into communication. We're just going to kind of give an opening. So let me start. Let me start. So... I've got to say something okay. about my uh, dear friend. You're not on? Nope. No. How about now? Nope. Now? Yeah. There we go. There had to be a position for it. Thank you. That was my fault, not theirs. Okay. Um, I remember a church call. As you, I, I love to get around people that we've known from years ago yeah. <laughs> because they bring to my remembrance things that, frankly, I'd forgotten. But you've got to give us a little grace. We're on our 70th trip around the sun. So, you know, sometimes the... Uh, the storage banks just overflow and you have to purge. But uh, I, I remember this particular church calling me and wanting me to uh, uh, help them find a pastor and to make a recommendation. And without hesitation, I said, well, I've got an elder who I would recommend right now today and his name is Bob Thomas. And you need to receive him as the pastor of your church. And they said, well, please write out a recommendation and we'll uh, give it consideration. So I did that and um, then they didn't call him. And I thought, well, that was strange. And um, I don't know what the time delay was between the next time, same church calls me back. And they said, well, we've had another pastoral change. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm not surprised. But anyway, so uh, they said, who would you recommend to come pastor the church? I say, said, the same fellow I recommended to you before. And I hope you kept the letter because I wrote it all down there for you and made this easy. And sure enough, they made Bob Thomas their selection. And that was when he started this church, became this uh, wonderful <laughs> congregation and uh, but I knew of all the people that I was working with, particularly at that time, and uh, we were attracting a lot of people to the church in those days, that this was a man of God and a woman of God who Amen. loved the Lord, who have a beautiful family, and who bear good fruit. Yep. And my goodness, the years attest to that. Yep. And uh, so let's just give a thank offering to the Lord for Bob and Ellen and Rob and all the family. Amen. 
Wow. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. You are truly a blessed congregation. All I had to do was just see it, so my part was easy. Mm. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about loving one another. I'd forgotten I'd given you that title. But uh, loving one another, uh, but especially in terms of one for life. Yeah. Okay, so that'll be kind of the uh, other emphasis, and Val's going to kick us off this morning. All right, so God declared it from the beginning in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, this is an Old Testament scripture, but it's also found in the Gospels, and it's found in the letters, Ephesians 5.31. If we are to have a successful, fulfilling, and God-glorifying marriage, we must understand God's goal. And it's about being one, one for life. Two deaths, one resurrection. God's math, one plus one equals one. And that's how we are transformed. Now, in Malachi 2.15, it says, but, God, but did God not make them one, the husband and wife, having a remnant of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. A legacy. Mm. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So what God is talking about being one here, it's talking about procreating. Mm -hmm. This means natural children and spiritual children, right. okay? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about rearing and also taking care of our grandkids, that's the payoff. Hmm. We have seven grandkids, hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, so rearing talks about uh, the natural, the emotional, the physical, and the social training of children and grandchildren. And raising talks about the spiritual discipling of your own kids. We, there are a lot of scriptures in Proverbs, train up a child in the way you should go, et cetera, et cetera. You know? So discipling of children starts in the home first, not church, home first. The church is there to help you. Mm -hmm. And you know, in this toxic society that we live in, you know, it's hard to do marriage God's way if we don't build our marriages on the word of God. So difficulties did begin way back in Genesis 3. It didn't start in the last century with male chauvinism and the woman's lib. And in fact, we can see in Scripture 3.16 the result of sin that happened in Genesis. Your desire, a wife, shall be for your husband. But it's the wrong kind of desire. It's a desire that means I want to control him and manipulate him. See, that's what sin did. And then the result of that on the other mm. side of this scripture, it says, and he, the husband, he shall rule over you. That means he's going to be overbearing and bossy. So that's what marriages are struggling with right now. We have the sin, which has produced the, the blame and the shame. And that's why we've written books. We've written two books. We, the first one was Marriage Advantage. It's our story of marriage plus the principles of God's word. And then we also have One for Life, which is a, a, a teaching guide, also an emergency manual because you can pick the chapter you want. In fact, it, it's the, the book came out of us when we were pastors. We would train the pre-marriage class. So it comes out of that literature. I just want to give you one other scripture before Fred jumps in. It's based on Matthew 7:24. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, If you hear my word... And do it. It'll be like you built your house on the rock. Mm -hmm. The storms of life will come, which they do. And you'll still be standing. But if you're like a lot of people that go to all these Bible studies and hear the word and don't obey it, mm -hmm. it's like building your house on the sand. The storms of life will come and you'll be totally destroyed, washed away. You know, this whole idea of a lifelong monogamous relationship seems foreign to the world. They cannot comprehend it. They don't understand what's going on. It seems like we're living in a world today, perhaps it's always been this way, but especially today, where any way but God finds some other way, some other explanation, 
ancient aliens or something, anything but the word of God. So this whole idea of being one, it, 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 it is just incomprehensible for the world. People outside the body of Christ, people that have never heard the word of God. In, in fact, many people, uh, haters of God, believe the Bibles hate literature, not to be trusted Something that is the source of all kinds of evil in the world. That's how everything has been so turned upside down and on its ear. They, they hear the words one for life and they think it's a life sentence. That they're equating being with the same spouse all of your life is the same thing as a prison sentence. And that's a sad state of affairs. That's why we come to celebrate marriage. Do you still celebrate marriage? Do you celebrate your marriage, more importantly? You know, I, I know some people that celebrate marriage generally, but not specifically. You know, every time I look at this beautiful woman, she's as beautiful in my eyes, which granted are fading a little, but nevertheless, <laughs> that's probably also the grace of God, <laughs> but I, every time I look at her, she's as beautiful to me as that day when I looked across a room. And I saw this young girl sitting at a table with other girls. And I kept watching as different guys would walk up and ask her to dance. And it was more than one. It was like four or five guys. And she just kept saying no. And I'm sitting there with a friend of mine from the Air Force. And I kind of nudged him. I said, watch this. See, I was intrigued. I liked what I saw. And I went over and I was bold enough to ask her to dance with me. Now, it's amazing how God works. Neither one of us knew the Lord at that time. We were living in darkness. We thought we were too, too intelligent for religion. And so we had departed from that. And yet God brought us together right there. Now, obviously, it was a dance floor. It was not in church. But by the grace of God, years later, we drove by that same location. And someone had taken that old club and turned it into a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and I looked at Valerie and I said, praise God. Now we can tell everybody we met in church. <laughs> the odd thing is that in the church, everybody likes the original story better. You know, because, you know, I asked a girl to dance all those over 50 years ago. And all these years later, we're still dancing. But so much of it comes right back around to how do we still look at one another? Do we look through the eyes of love? Do we look through the eyes of grace? Do we have a heart to continue to give ourselves away? Friends, Christ, uh, Christian marriage is to be a picture, an image, a revelation, a glimpse of glory. A glimpse of glory. It's, it's the relationship between Christ and his church. Both church and marriage are intended to be transformational. You like that word? Say it with me. Transformational. I like to lead with that word because if I start with change, everybody rears back. Because most of us don't like change. We live our lives avoiding it as much as we possibly can. But if we are in Christ transformation is now our new life. This is a new beginning for us. We are a new creation to the glory of God. Marriage and the church are transformational. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now, we use a lot of different versions. Val loves the ESV. Sometimes I'm still stuck in the New King James, but nevertheless, so we quote from both, okay? But you'll get the meaning from them. In that particular passage, the word says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There is liberty, praise God. But we all, with unveiled face, isn't that what a bride does when she comes up at the wedding? The veil is removed. Same thing. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed, notice the tense, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, and I would add to ever greater glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, both marriage and church are about transformation. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. It's not a work of man and woman. It's a work of God in our lives. And we need to embrace that. It's so important because if we don't, we're going to find ourselves resisting God. Actually quenching the Holy Spirit. Because somewhere along the line, we get the idea, well, I've arrived. You know, we're, we've never fully arrived until we are caught up to be in his glorious presence forever and ever, praise God. So just to emphasize again, transformation is a work of the Spirit that changes us, transforms us. And this work goes on in the church, and it also goes on in marriage. So again, this is why marriage outside of Christ is so hard for people in the world who don't know the Lord, it's so hard for them to comprehend. In Christ, we have abundant life together. But we still have to receive this basic revelation. You know, if we don't get this revelation that the goal of marriage is to be one, we're never going to get there. I don't know if anybody ever told you that when you got married. But that was the goal. We need to understand the goal. It is to be one, and that is God's word. Now, how do we declare? How do we declare the end from the beginning in marriage? Because that's what being one is about. We start declaring it at the very beginning all the way to the end. But we declare the end from the beginning. How do we do that? Well, we do it in our wedding vows. We make vows to one another. I get a little nervous when people start writing their own marriage vows because they come up with some interesting things. So, you know, some of them are fine. Some of the things they leave out important parts. Mm -hmm. And one of the parts you know, they often leave out is this whole idea of being one together forever. And that's part of God's revelation. So we declare the end from the beginning in our wedding vows. We declare the end from the beginning by the words that we speak to one another every day. And that is a part of communication that we will touch on this morning. And thirdly, it's by the way we talk about one another to others. We were uh, walking down the street one evening in Fredericton, New Brunswick Canada. with uh, Valerie's sister. And uh, as we're walking down the street, this couple start walking toward us. And they're friends of Val's sister. And she introduces us to them. And immediately, now these are two complete strangers to us, and I assume they don't know who we are. And um, immediately, the husband turns to me and starts criticizing his wife. And I'm standing thinking, oh, this is a God thing. <laughs> you know, he's spewing all this stuff about his wife. He doesn't like how she looks, and this wasn't what he signed up for, and all these kinds of things, and going on and on. He was really exposing his heart to me, yeah. not really knowing, again, who he was talking to, but nevertheless. But I thought, wow, when I saw them walking toward us, you know what my thought as a man was? I thought, this guy married up <laughs> they looked a little mismatched in just looking at them in the natural guys you know what I mean married up but the longer he talked my thinking about them changed and I thought wow she married down because this guy doesn't understand the first thing about marriage guys Val's here to speak to the women guys I'm speaking to you the way you talk about your wife to others, I don't care whether it's in a locker room or out in the church lobby, whether it's in your house or out in the workplace, mm -hmm. how you talk about your wife is you're either agreeing with God or you're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit who wants to transform us. Mm -hmm. The way you speak about your wife to other men especially, that is important. That reveals our hearts. Right. You know, every day, Val and I 
make a confession to one another. And this is our confession every morning. When we wake up in the morning, this is what we say. Today we will be more one than we were yesterday. You have to keep reminding yourself what's the goal. What's the goal line? It's to become Because why? We forget. It's kind of like why you have to keep being filled with the Spirit. We leak. (laughs) You have to be refueled again. You have to be reminded again. This is part of living the godly life. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. We mustn't forget that. Yes. Well, Mm -hmm. Fred kind of told you his version of how we met. (laughs) Uh, The reason I had refused all these guys, because we had a lot of airmen. We called them flyboys, Air Force guys. And I thought, I don't want to have anything to do with any flyboy. But when he asked me to dance, I thought he was a college kid. I was a teacher. I'm into education. Was that That's because my I thing. look so smart? Yeah, you look so smart. <laughs> and I said, yes. Just and giving then, her a chance to say something. Nice. And then, uh, and then, because uh, it's a hangout for all the young folks in those days. I mean, like you said, we were not in church. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, then the next day he said, I want to have a date with you. I said, okay, well, I'm in the book. Well, my maiden name is Michelle. It's like Smith. But he found me because God calls couples together. Marriage is a holy calling. So we went on this date the first day. And while we were walking down the street, this feeling, this sensation, this thought just crossed my heart. And I felt like I want to spend the rest of my days with this guy. He's going somewhere and I want to go with him. And I just pondered that in my heart, kind of like Mary did when when God told her by the Holy Spirit that she was going to have the Son of God. She just pondered it in her heart. I didn't say another word. It kind of scared scared me to to death. So we we, uh, we dated for about eight months, and then he was going to be deployed overseas. So we, we hurried up and got married, and uh, three days later, he was gone for four months, came back for eight, was gone for another year. This was during the Vietnam era. But I know that I know that I know that God put us together till death do us part. And that's another part of the vows that a lot of folks leave out because mm-hmm. it's not till death do us part. It's till it gets hard. Marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. It really is. Come on. It's, it's, how, it's learning how to live together. That's why God puts a man and a woman together to rub off the rough edges so that you can become one. And it's a process over lifetime. Has it been easy? No. Has it been fun? Yeah. Has it been difficult? Yeah. Has it been rewarding? Yes. Would I do it again? Yes. Thank you. Because God put us together. <laughs> But, the, the re- but one thing that I know, look back now, we fell in love with each other before falling in love with Jesus. So you single folks out here, make sure you fall in love with Jesus and the person you're going to marry, make sure that person loves Jesus more or at least as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you can live a fantastic, wonderful marriage and overcome all the, the rains and the storms of life because you'll have built your marriage on the rock. And when it's built on the rock, it stands. Mm. It really, really does. And a wife, I'm talking to, to the men here in a, in a sense, a, a wife will follow her man to the ends of the earth. Listen to me now. When she knows that his heart is following after Jesus, not being lackadaisical and depending on her to lead the spiritual part of the family, but he's Uh leading the family. She sees him not perfect, but she knows the perfect one is working in him, and that gives her hope. Mm -hmm. That gives her hope, and that's what marriage is all about. You know, it's a work of faith. It's a labor of love, but it's also Pursuing hope, persevering in hope, trusting God to work out what he wants to work out in each one of us in order that we will become one and totally transformed in the image of God, reflecting him on the earth. Because we are a picture, husband and wife, of the church and Jesus. You know, when we got married in those first few years, we didn't know the Lord. We didn't know the word of God. Uh, We both had grown up in church as children. We knew some Bible stories, but we didn't know how to apply them. We, We didn't know that that was anything to do with practical living. But the Lord showed me something in the military. In the military, when I married this Canadian girl, now I had to go to my my squadron commander to even get permission to marry her, okay? But I married this Canadian girl, and just before I'm about to ship out, 
And they issue her, she's living in Canada, she's teaching in Canada. They issue her a military ID card. And with that card, she could cross that border, Canadian-American border, anytime she wanted to. I'm not going to say this other part, so I'll just forget my thought there. And (laughs) I was thinking about the border. But anyway, uh, so also she could drive up to the front gate of my strategic air command base, which was on nuclear alert, and show that card, and they would wave this Canadian girl through the front gate just like she was an officer. Most Americans have never been on one of those bases, but they waved her right through. She could come on the base. She could go to the PX and shop. She could go to the dentist. She could go to the doctor. Just do just about anything she wanted to do there for one reason and one reason only. She was married to me. And even though I was on the other side of the planet, in the military's eyes, we were one. It didn't make any difference. In fact, all those months that I spent in Southeast Asia, guess where my check went? He got an allowance. I mean, they took this. I got an allowance. That's right. I got an allowance. But my check went to her, this Canadian girl. And that's why I think sometimes in the church, we need to get this same kind of a revelation of how important this really is, this being one together forever. Forever and ever. (laughs) Marriage really is, as you're going to hear us say this a lot today, it's it's a calling to be one, and it manifests, like we said, the, the glory of God. Now, we come from totally two different backgrounds. He's a Memphis boy. I'm a French-Canadian girl. I'm bilingual. Uh, he's very outgoing and talkative. He, he never meets a stranger. He, if there are no people around, he'll talk to the lamppost. Uh, me, I'm shy and quiet. I know a lot of folks don't believe that, but it's the truth. Put me in with other shy and quiet people. It's very quiet. Uh, he's spontaneous and casual. I'm more orderly and scheduled. I like my ducks in a row, but that's part of the teaching anointing. And he was re- reared Protestant, and I was reared Catholic, and that's probably one of the reasons we decided, well, we're too different. We're not going to touch that. No church. Mm-hmm. And that's when a lot of problems began to start. So. Yeah. And but di- but differences difficult. together, you know, it doesn't matter. So. Mm. Well, and for all our differences, we were still able to see a future together. Mm-hmm. And we caught a glimpse of glory of living life with one another, doing life with one another. Uh, one of our favorite TV shows is Fixer Uppers. Anybody like to watch that show? Yay. Oh, yeah. In the South, I usually get a lot of response to that. It's one of those house renovation shows on home and garden television or whatever. And um, I think they're coming to an end, though, yeah, now, they although they'll probably repeat for a long time. Chip and Joanna Gaines. Now, we travel a lot, so we're rarely in town enough successive weeks to see all the programs. So when we get back, we tend to binge watch. Any of you do that? Binge watch television, <laughs> your favorite television show. So we're sitting there binge watching. I guess it was one Saturday, uh, whatever it was, and we're watching all these shows, and after several of them, I began to realize, you know, there's a revelation in this show, not just how it's done, but why they're doing what they're doing. The first thing is they have these clients who want a home, and they take them around and they show them some older homes, but they all need some measure of renovation, and they help them make the decision on which one they're going to do. Then comes Chip Gaines' favorite day. What's Chip's favorite day? Demo day. That's it. Demolition. I have never seen anyone who so embraced demolition as Chip Gaines. On demo day, he does not show up with a hammer and a screwdriver. He shows up with a sledgehammer and a chainsaw. I mean, this guy. I've seen this guy literally throw himself through a sheetrock wall. Not recommended unless you know where the studs are. But anyhow, just throw himself right through the wall. He just relishes that. But you know, for many of us in marriage and even in the church, we don't like demo day. We don't like for stuff to change. Even though we know something needs to shift. We need to make some kind of transition. We may need to do something different. We don't like 
demolition. You know what we really want God to do in our lives, in our marriages, and in our churches, and our calling? We really want him just to tweak us. Do a small thing. One of those little bitty pocket screwdrivers, you know. Just something like you're adjusting a carburetor. Well, that dates me saying that. But anyway, but really small thing. That's not how God works, folks. No. That's why Jesus said, if you would be my disciple, take up your cross and come follow me. Because it's about demolition. And from that demolition comes forth something new. Those houses that they renovate are transformed. You see the looks on the people's faces. They don't even recognize the house they picked out. They're flabbergasted. We need that same sense in our marriages. There ought to be those times of transition where we're flabbergasted by God's transformational work in our lives, in our marriages, and yes, even in our church. This is a blessed church. This is a church filled with the Spirit. This is a church that is built solidly on the Word of God. This is a wonderful congregation that you have here. We know any number of churches that would gladly trade places with any of you that want to leave. But if you've got this revelation that we are to be one, as Jesus and the Father are one, leaving won't be your first option when change begins. You know, when they train pilots, they tell them, that lever down by the bottom of your seat that says eject, that's the last choice, not the first one or the second one. Because once you eject, the flight is officially over. You have departed the aircraft. You are in a whole different space now. See, that's the problem in our culture today. We want to eject as soon as it gets hard, as soon as things start to change, as soon as our comfort zone is violated. Folks, I've got to tell you, Jesus did not come into our lives just to kind of smooth things over. He came to change us, to transform us into his glorious image. You know, and transformation takes place in phases or seasons Mm -hmm. or stages of life, whatever you want to call them. And some of the stages of life are predictable and others are not. For example, the first few years of marriage, this is the honeymoon period, psychologists call it. It's, it's the time when a couple come together, they're dreaming, they're envisioning, they're planning how many children they want to have, if they want to have any, where they want to live, what kind of house they want to buy, all that kind of stuff, you know, just planning, just dreaming. And then there comes the middle years. This is the child bearing years, rearing them, and that can be difficult because you've got other people in the mix now, and that brings some stress to to the marriage, and that's where you learn to to be a father and a mother, and uh, also, when you have grandkids, you get a second chance if you messed up the first time. (laughs) I mean, really, it's wonderful, you know, but this is the time where where it, it, you know, it's a difficult time, you know, think about schooling, and oh my gosh, uh, women have to wear so many hats at home if you have a job out, and so forth, and the husbands, and so forth, so it's it's really a time of really, really, really learning, and then you've got the later years, kind of like what we're living, it's the, called the empty nest, you know, and when we had the empty nest, even the pets left, because we wanted empty nest completely, you know, Uh, and so uh, the kids either go away to college, or they get married, and uh, then they come back with grandkids, which is wonderful, but, but it's a chance for older folks to begin to give themselves more to the ministry, give themselves more to Mm -hmm. people, and that's where we are in our lives. We just want to give ourselves to people, just sow, just be a blessing, just encourage mother and father, Uh, Mm -hmm. especially now we're mothering and fathering a lot lot of pastors. Yeah, okay, let's talk about our community. We, our church has groups, small groups, house groups, community groups, whatever you want to call them. I think the latest fad is community groups. So we, we join a group. Uh, this particular group meets in Binghampton. I don't know if you're familiar with Memphis, but a lot of the millennials are moving into those parts of town where everybody had left. And uh, this young couple wanted us to... to to be a part of their group. They wanted some gray hairs and some maturity. So my son, our son, he's our pastor, uh, sent us to this group. And the first time we went there, I mean, like Fred said, it's our 70th time around the sun. 
These kids are, and the average is 30. I mean, they're younger than our kids. Our kids are 44 and 41. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, and sitting there listening to them talk, and it's like, we didn't go there to preach or teach or do nothing. We just wanted to be a part, mm -hmm. to give ourselves. And uh, we've, we're learning their vocabulary. We're learning how they function. You know, we're on a learning curve right now. Mm -hmm. we, we want to connect with this next generation. We don't want to be, we, want, we don't want to be spiritually irrelevant. We want to be culturally relevant, but without being spiritually irrelevant. So if we're going to be culturally, culturally relevant, we've got to live with them, do life with them. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. And it's been such a blessing to be with them. And they're, even their little kids call us grandma and papa. But anyway, <laughs> uh, going back to our phases of life, you know, so, you know, give yourself. It, it, remember, seasons don't last forever. I know when I was a mom and little kids and diapers and training and potty training, and I thought, my gosh, is it ever going to end? It does end, young folks. <laughs> it really does. Embrace the season you are in. Hug that season because it's a part of your life mm -hmm. and God is bringing you through and he's teaching you and he's using you because ministry starts at home. Now, there's some other stages in a marriage that would really cause some stress, could cause division. What if a, a child dies or, uh, or there's a sickness where one of them is incapacitated or a, or a physical move to another part of the country? Like me, I came from Canada and moved to Memphis. When I first got here, I didn't understand the whites or the blacks the way they talk English. I know we all talk English, but it's different. I didn't understand them, and after a while, I'd make them repeat so many times, I got into the habit of just agreeing with them, because I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> or I'd go to talk French, and I'd think, oh, I'm not in a French place. I'm... And then I'd go to the grocery store, and I didn't recognize any of the, pro the products or the anything. I mean, it was a total, total shock. So, and we have a lot of refugees and immigrants coming to the state, so they're in that box, too, so mm -hmm. it's a place to minister to them also. So some tasks... Have, we have to go through if we're going to mature and transition into the next phase of life that God has for us. It's part of our developmental tasks, our developmental growths. So if you're in a place where you're finding it difficult, just keep walking by faith. Remember, a work of faith, a labor of love, and persevering hope. Mm. Jesus prays that we will be one. John 17, verses 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me. We're to do, be doers of the word on this earth. We're to be the living Bible walking around because for this toxic society, this toxic culture we live in, you may be the only Bible they are reading. And I know that sounds like a cliche. It may be a cliche, but it's the truth. So, we have to realize, are we going to be doers of God's word or not? Mm. Are we going to remain in our monogamous relationship where God put us together? Remember, marriage is a holy calling, a totally holy calling. And it can be, it can be fulfilling in any stage of life. Unexpected stages as well as the ones that you see coming down the road. God can use us, still use us together. And as mm -hmm. Valerie said, we're on a learning curve. You're never too old to learn. In fact, if you are too old to learn, you're really old. <laughs> see, I can get away with that because I'm probably the oldest guy in the room. But anyway... <laughs> You're never too, too old to learn. Learning and being with a younger generation, guess what that does? It keeps you young. Amen. It keeps you young. It keeps you engaged. It keeps you excited Fresh. and interested in life. I mean, folks, this is God's call for us. It isn't to go sit off on a porch swing. We tried retirement. We did it very badly. We are just way too cold and way too hyper just to sit around. Uh, we need to move quickly yeah, here. Uh, and uh, we've only got a little time and we, we want to. Uh, let, let me just share. We're going to share a couple of verses with you here. Uh, we talked about loving one another. You'll find that in the New Testament, speaking both to the church and it also applies to marriage, there are several scriptures that speak to one another. Here's one of them. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. The problem is most of us know how to stir up trouble, 
but we haven't figured out how to stir up one another to love and to good works. That means that we say appreciative things to one another. What do I mean by appreciative things? Well, it, it may be complimenting uh, your spouse. It may be a, a smile. It could be a smile. It could be a, a touch. You know, we hold hands everywhere we go. Now, it has both a spiritual and a practical application. On the spiritual side, we're just witnessing that we're still one together. We're not ashamed to be seen with each other. We like to hold hands, and we love the comments from people passing by, you know, like, oh, look at the two old people holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then there's also the other aspect. When you get to be our age, you're holding each other up. And so, you know, you're, you're just kind of going along, but it's important. So th this is so vital that we appreciate one another. So it, it could be admiring and complimenting. It could be some of these appreciative moments, a smile, a loving touch, a kind word. I mean, I know some marriages that are just starved for a kind word. One, one of my favorite little uh, news clips of uh, George and Laura Bush was, and uh, I don't remember what the time frame was, but it showed them going into the White House. And apparently, he forgot that they're always on camera, right? And he just forgot. He had a, a lapse there. I'll leave that alone too. But anyway, he had a bit of a lapse there. And, and without thinking, I guess, he kind of just reached down and gave Laura a little tap on the tush. And, and I thought... Well, look at that. That's cool. That's one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. Now, I'm sure it's today, people just go ballistic over that. And, you know, and that'd be a horrible, terrible thing. But it's being appreciative. You know, I look at my wife, and I, I'm just so thankful, Val. You keep yourself up so nice. You look so pretty. You still wear those loopy earrings like you did when I first met you up there in Canada. Uh, uh, we went to a wedding recently. Actually, we were officiating the wedding, and at the reception, we were the first couple up there after the wedding couple, the married couple, to get up there and to dance, and that was refreshing to do that again. I like being with you. We like have a good time. We do, and yeah. I appreciate that you're the spiritual leader in our house, that you take good care of me, that you've never had your eyes for another woman since the first time you asked me to dance, mm -hmm. and we've been one, and we're still working on it. Hadn't gotten there yet. We'll be when we cross over, we will, but I appreciate you, and I love you. Mm. You know, I had an old, older man in the church tell me one day, um, you know, when I was emphasizing, saying nice things to one another. Because some couples either say nothing, or all they say is critical. And some of the kids would probably say amen to that too. But nevertheless, uh, you know, correctional stuff. And uh, th this guy said, you know, I told her I loved her when I married her. If anything changes, I'll let her know. I'm sorry. That, that's not good enough. We can do better than that, guys. Come on. We can, we can open our mouth. What, what do you do in faith? If you open your mouth, God will fill it. Amen? And you can actually say some nice, kind, loving things because every time you do, you are breathing life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So let's speak life to one another. Uh, let me give you a second one, and I guess we'll stop after that. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is 1 Peter 4.10. You know, we need to understand how we function, what mm -hmm. gifts God has blessed us with, yeah. what talents, so that we can understand and flow together. And, you know, do you know what your spiritual gift is? And, you know, if you don't know, ask God in prayer. He'll tell you. He'll let you know in your heart the things you like to do that you're good at. He'll show you. And if that's still not enough, you can ask your spouse. Your spouse lives with you. This spouse knows you better than anybody. This spouse can sure. tell you what you're good at mm -hmm. or not good at, you mm -hmm. know. And if that's still not enough, Ask your church, your community of believers, where you do life together in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that way you'll know. I know Fred, he's like a Barnabas. <laughs> he, he, he has that type of anointing. He's an encourager. He prophesies. He, he preaches. He teaches. He edifies. He, he, he consoles. He loves to activate people into their ministry. Uh, and that's what leaders are supposed to do. And he ministers nowadays to a lot of the pastors. Mm. My wife has a wonderful teaching anointing. When I first met her, 
uh, I found out she was 20 years old. She was teaching school. Now, I'd already liked what I saw, but now I'm thinking, wow, 20 years old and teaching school, she must be pretty smart. And she was gainfully employed. I thought, this is the trifecta right here. I mean, this is the package. My search is over. I need look no further. I've got everything that I need right here. You know, that's so important for us to recognize those gifts. Now, Valerie's also got an incredible mercy gift. And before we came to the Lord and were filled with the Holy Spirit and everything else and entered into ministry, Valerie always had this habit of bringing home strays, stray women, not dogs, but stray women, strange women. And I would ask her, don't you know any normal people? Why do you keep bringing these people that are so dysfunctional and weird and even scary sometimes? I'm like, I don't even know if I want them to know where we live. You know, and later as we're called into ministry, began to realize Oh, that was the mercy and the loving kindness of God in you that was reaching out to them. And it's appreciating those things and those gifts. It's so critical. So if we don't know our spiritual gift, who do we ask first? Come on. God, right? I mean, the Lord's not trying to keep it a secret. Okay, ask. But sometimes we're a little hard of hearing or we're scared by what we hear. Then ask your spouse, as Valerie said, who knows you better? Who's probably going to shoot straight with you and tell you whether or not they... And if you don't like what gift, how about how do you see God work in me? That's a great question. And then if that's still not enough, ask your brothers and sisters in the church... People who know you by the Spirit, how do you see God? You know, this is one of the things that just breaks our heart in this day. We go all the way back to the beginnings of the charismatic renewal. I'm just shocked. We can ask the typical congregation, how many of you know your primary spiritual gift? And even in a crowd this size, fewer than 10 hands will go up. Now, I realize some people wouldn't raise their hand if I was giving away $100 bills. But never, <laughs> with one exception. <laughs> but, somebody but, will take but, 100 Yeah, somebody will. <laughs> do I hear too? No. <laughs> but, uh, and and it, you know, we're just, you know, just can't do that. But, but still, friends, this is one of the joys of being in Christ. But it's also one of the things that enriches our marriage. Because where she's weak... I'm strong. You know, opposites really do attract. And where I'm weak, she's strong. But when we come together as one, oh my, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. And uniformity is not unity. Mm. That's why there are differences Mm. that bring us together. We've run out of time. We've had entirely too much fun. We have so thoroughly enjoyed being with you. We really have. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more to tell, but that, that's the time that we have. But uh, it's just so refreshing uh, to be with a congregation like this. Uh, here, here's the biggest takeaway of the day. Marriage and church are a work of faith. A labor of love and the perseverance of hope. Don't give up on your church. Even in transition, don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Usually it's just a matter of successfully making the transition. There's a psychologist named Paul Tournier. He said, I've been married six times to the same woman. He goes on to say, we never got a divorce. We just kept going through different transitions of life. And see, it can be as though when you successfully make those transitions that it renews your marriage, your love for one another, your appreciation for one another, your need for one another. 
It can be that powerful. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for every marriage in this room, for everyone who may have marriage on their mind, for those who have been hurt in the past by marriage and would be open now perhaps by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to say, I, I, I may be ready to give myself away again. To those who perhaps are praying about, wow, I'd love to have one of those moments where I just looked across the room and I saw the person that God had for me. Well, I believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. All things are possible with God and all things are possible for those who believe. So, Father, I pray that an anointing of being one together and being transformed through all the stages of life will be powerfully upon us all. And we will know that marriage isn't just about my being happy. It's about our being a witness of your sacrifice, of your love, of your grace, of this glorious gift of life and that more abundantly. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Val's gone back to the book table. If you would like for her to pray with you there, she'd be happy to do it. Uh, I'm going to make myself available along with the other uh, counselors up here, and I'll uh, turn the service over to Rob. Bless you, Pastor. Mm. Mm. Encouragement. There we are. More love and encouragement. Uh, look, before we, before we dismiss, let's just bow our heads again real quick. And, and as you know, we don't like to dismiss any service without giving the opportunity to receive Christ. That's the first step. If you need love, if you need encouragement, if you need help in this life and you realize that you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or, or maybe you have, but you realize that your life is not surrendered to him and, and you just feel today, you just feel that burden, you, you feel the Holy Spirit and you just know that you need to rededicate your life, you need to get things right, you need to come back into alignment with him, then this is your moment. We're just going to take about two minutes. Stick with us for just a moment. But with every head bowed, if that's you and you would say, you know what? I need to get things right with Jesus today. I need to get my heart in the right place. I need to surrender. If that's you, lift up your hand so I can see real quick. We're going to pray together. I'm not going to point you out or make you come out. All right, well, we're just going to pray this together. And the Bible says if you just believe in your heart, believe on Jesus, that he is who he says he is that he died and he took your sin and your shame upon himself. He took it to that cross and he laid down his life for you. If you accept him as your sacrifice and you choose that you're going to follow him all the days of your life, the Bible says that you become a new creation, that you're saved. You're brought out of darkness and you're brought into his marvelous light. Doesn't mean that all the circumstances are going to change in your life. It does mean that you're going to have the creator of the universe walking with you hand in hand. And that he's going to be encouraging you all the way and saying, we got this. You're going to make it. Stick with me. In the midst of the storms, you can have joy and you can have peace. Let's just all pray together. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I haven't lived my life for you. I've tried to do this on my own. And I realize that I'm a failure at it. So today, I put my trust in Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I thank you for taking my sin and shame and taking it to the grave, for dying in my place. Today I declare you're my Savior. You're my peace. You're my encouragement. You're my hope. And I'll follow you every day of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. I will follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer today. I pray, Lord, you'd surround them by godly voices, by godly influences that would help push them or propel them in the right direction, that would bring that encouragement, that would bring accountability and everything that they need. God, I just thank you that you are the ultimate example. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to love, when it comes to walking out this life, Jesus, you lived it. You showed it. You displayed it. 
and we choose to follow you. We choose to be just like you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's stand up on our feet together. And I'm going to ask our elders uh, to come on down. They're going to be at the sides here, ready to pray for anybody that needs prayer. It doesn't matter what it is you're going through in this life. Let me tell you that there is hope. There is a firm foundation. And it doesn't matter if you need healing in your body, if you're believing for a loved one, if your marriage needs to be restored, whatever it is you're believing for, we've got folks that will stand with you and agree with you in prayer this morning. Pastor Fred's also going to be up here. Folks, if you're going through it, maybe you're going through it in your marriage, maybe you're going through it at work, whatever it may be, come and get prayer. And I love what he ended with. He said, don't give up. Guys, I I talked to so many people today that are exhausted. They're so tired. They're tired of the struggle in their marriage, in their work, with their kids, with life in general. Don't give up. Don't give up. He is our strength. He's the one we put our hope in. He's the one who's supposed to do the heavy lifting in this life. So trust him and don't give up. If you need prayer, we do invite you as we dismiss to come on down. Let somebody stand and agree with you. And with that, guys, we love you. Thank you for staying around an extra few minutes. Y'all go forth and be a blessing in your world where God has placed you. Amen. We love you guys. You are dismissed. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.